Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio, Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Cleared off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers. Lana Cleland striking from outside the penalty area. World-beating, big-match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scored! Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello, welcome to Women's Football Weekly. Fans are back in some stadiums and for now, we'll be taking a look at what the Football Supporters Association are doing to bring together fans of the women's game. As soon as we got off the train and you just see other people wearing red, anything red, it felt like I was kind of coming home and being back with this community of people Manchester City and Arsenal come together in an emotional show of support for Gunners defender Jen Beattie, who's revealed she's been battling breast cancer. Everyone's been so supportive and I've had messages, my phone was going nuts yesterday, so I tried to stay off it and really um, try and concentrate on this game, but the response has just been incredible. But if it helps the right people, you know, try and raise awareness to the people that need it, then that's my job done. But it was her Scotland teammate Caroline Weir who scored late to seal the three points for City. Weir will hit it! Oh, that's absolutely outstanding! Caroline Weir has surely won this for Manchester City! We'll catch up on all of the rest of the action from the FAWSL, speak to Lewis FC General Manager Maggie Murphy about sponsorship in the women's game, and we'll be shining our spotlight on Manchester United's Ella Toon. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Ashley from Putnam Hotspur and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. How are you all doing? Hope you're well. Hope you've had a lovely weekend. Right, we have a lot to get through, as we do every week. I keep saying that as the top thing every single show, but it's always packed on Women's Football Weekly. As ever, I have a couple of amazing guests with you uh, to be dissecting everything, including a Women's Football Weekly debut for Debs Dilworth, Head of Women's Game Development at the Football Supporters Association. How are you doing, Debs? I'm doing great, Faith. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to getting into all the fantastic stuff that you're doing at the FSA. Molly Hudson from The Times is with us too. 
Hi, Faye, I'm back again. I know, listen, we, we can never get rid of you and then we would never want to either. Uh, right, fans are back in stadiums and there has been plenty of fantastic football to entertain them as well. Uh, before we chat to Debs about what the FSA is doing to bring together supporters of the women's game, we've been chatting to some fans about what it's like to be back in the grounds. It just gives you that like, little boost and like I know we're so used to having no one there and so like we're used to like our teammates cheering us on but you know it's just lovely to have like those fans back and you know with their pots and pans. <laughs> Really good atmosphere, obviously helped by a Tottenham win. And from a, a COVID safety point of view, everything was really well done. Uh, One-way systems and hand sanitising, uh, face masks. Uh, yeah, just a really good experience um, and great to be back uh, watching and supporting uh, the WSL and women's football. It just felt so good to be physically around them and, and all cheering along and being part of the same experience and atmosphere. When we were coming into Meadow Park, there was a, a checkpoint for temperature and hand sanitizer and checky tickets, and then there was a second one um, right by the, the, the gates. And like the stewards were welcoming everyone back, and I just thought that was so, so lovely to be welcomed back to Meadow Park. And even though we were all wearing masks, I could tell that people were smiling and feeling really happy about it. Thank you to Jess Keating and Lee Whitney for those thoughts and Lewis FC as well for that clip from their players. Football is all about the fans and it's vital that they've been able to get back in and watch women's football. I know it may not be for long with many restrictions coming in out and around uh, the rest of the country. Uh, we'll also, by the way, be speaking to General Manager Maggie Murphy later on in the show about an exciting sponsorship deal that Lewis FC have just arranged. But uh, Deb Stilworth is from the uh, Football Supporters Association and always do some fantastic work behind the scenes um, with, with women's fans in particular, Debs. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know what the FSA do, uh, does, can you just explain a little bit more what your role is? Yeah, sure. And firstly, I absolutely love that roundup. That's amazing and just showcases the community um, you know, and the football supporters community. So yeah, the FSA is a not-for-profit organisation and we're the National Supporters Organisation for England and Wales. Um, so we, we do lots of different things. Uh, we're a membership organisation. We've got over 300 member groups and we just look after the supporters' voice locally and nationally. So ideally, we help support communications between clubs and supporters groups and supporters generally uh, locally. And then we try to pull everybody together. So if they're experiencing specific issues in a number of areas, then we have a national voice um, and try and get supporter engagement across the board from league level uh, down to club level. Yeah, and that's really important and quite key, isn't it? You, you absolutely have to have um, th th this working between somebody putting the clubs and the fans together when, when it, it's very difficult sometimes for women's football fans to, to find information. And I know social media makes that easier, but there are certain things that fans need and want to know that clubs don't necessarily have the resources to be able to provide them. And I suppose that's where you step in. Yeah, and I think that the beauty of the beauty of this sort of relationship is that actually clubs do get extra resource from having supporters groups and working with supporters groups. So, you know, they've got committed fans that want to help and are dedicated to the club that will offer time and energy in order to help the people that are under resource. So it's, you know, it, it is a brilliant relationship to have. Um, you know, and like you said, often supporters can be struggling for information. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's important that this, this kind of work grows and we continue to grow as a network. I think Molly's got a question. Molly? 
Yeah, and Debs, I just wondered, um, kind of from your perspective, we talk a lot about the growth of the game and, and everything else on, on this show, but do you feel as though there has been a real spike in interest in the women's game, a real spike in, you know, I've seen on Twitter the supporters uh, groups, official supporters groups now interacting with the FSA. Is that something that's really increased recently? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like this time last year, I would say we only had about four or five um, groups and now we have just under 30. So it's definitely an interest of people. And, you know, as we've grown as a network and more and more and people have people have come on um, you know, they can see a purpose and a reason for having a national voice as well as a local voice. So, you know, I think before where, where we didn't have this network, people were struggling with things locally um, and they were kind of talking to each other but not necessarily on a, a as structured level and um, so I definitely think there has been a spike and I, I think that spike will continue and that's across the leagues WSL um, championship and and national league um, so yeah I, I definitely have seen a spike within official supporters groups as well. With regard to what fans come to you and say Debs what are you able to help them with what are the kind of questions that they come to you asking? Yeah yeah, so it's an interesting one at the minute in the women's game because in the men's game, we have more established groups. Um, so that some of them have been running for 12, um, 20 years, 15, 20 years, whereas in the women's game, it's slightly different. Uh, we've just had one of our groups, Man, Man City, the Man City group, celebrate their fifth anniversary, but everyone else um, is, you know, under five years. And so some of them have literally just started. So um, from a volunteer perspective, we're trying to develop them as volunteers, make sure that they understand the national issues as well as the local issues. Um, but, you know, things like fixture clashes, um, just things like uh, ticketing and not having clarity or transparency on uh, refunds of tickets or how tickets are sold. Um, facilities can often come up quite a lot. Um, and just general communications, actually, for, between the clubs and the supporters. So, as we say, you know, like clubs can be working tirelessly, but sometimes the communication element is is difficult um, and supporters end up, you know, a bit confused or, or lacking information. So, yeah, we just try what we want to try to do is establish structure in the supporter engagement for clubs. So we do offer support to club reps as well as supporters groups, um, you know, and it's all fairly new territory. So, you know, we want to. We want to make sure the structure in place as spectator uh, spectator attendance grows. What what are you finding? It, are, are the things that they're most frustrated about, or or want to improve, perhaps? I think generally establishing uh, engagement, so making sure that is there, um, and making sure that supporters are involved in key decisions across the club. Um, but you know, uh, from a match perspective, sort of the way that you have to buy tickets sometimes um so like you have to have several club accounts rather than just going through your own club fixture clashes um there's a, it's, it's issues like that that can cause quite a lot of frustration and so like the everton fixture the fa cup final mm. um and then the men's fixture being clashing with it, it that was just so disappointing really on so many levels um that that happened so it's stuff like that that, that really can be very frustrating the thing is, it's, it's a new area of work as well. So, you know, we have, we've got great communications into the FA, uh, we're, we're establishing relationships there, um, you know, and we are growing and um, trying to advocate this supporter engagement kind of path uh, because we firmly believe it's important. But yeah, there's a couple of issues like that, that on a match, match by match um, can be very frustrating for, for supporters generally. And are you finding That's that clubs are, so, sorry to interrupt you, Debs, are you finding that clubs are quite receptive? 
Yeah, I mean, I've had some a couple of really great conversations with club reps, and I recognise that actually they might need support as well in in terms of putting a structure in place. Um, and that's that's one of the things that the FSA uh, does in the men's game as well. So we work with the clubs to try to establish a structure so that the relationship is mutually beneficial for both sides. Um, you know, and ideally, why wouldn't you want to talk to your supporters? If they're, you know, other other industries that bite bite football's hand off in order to get the amount of feedback and sort of passion and love that supporters have for football uh, for their football teams. So so. You know, it's, it's about encouraging that as best as possible. But I appreciate in the women's game, you know, often like we've, we said earlier, they're, they're under-resourced. So sometimes it's, it's finding the time, but that's where I can come in and try and help. Yeah, and, and I mean, listen, the, the reason we met was, was back in the World Cup in France, wasn't it? Because the FSA, you, you'd put together um, a, an England fans group and, and, and got together fans. And, and are you feeling as if that's that's growing much more now? Oh my goodness, yeah, and that really was the springboard for the domestic work. So you know, I went out to the, the the World Cup to sort of see what traction there was in terms of supporters wanting wanting to be a part of the supporters movement and wanting to be activists locally and build relationships with their clubs. And you know, since then we have had massive, massive support from supporters groups and um, you know key people within the the football industry which has been amazing and actually on Friday night at our AGM we uh, just managed to confirm it was voted through that the, the women's net- network is now official so it will be built into our constitution and our article of associations which is a massive step forward Um, you know so we now can push forward with more plans and more structure uh, on a club and a league level. That's amazing. Uh, Excellent. Well done. I mean, that's fantastic work that you've that you've managed to do there. For any uh, fans groups who are maybe out and about and, and didn't know that you existed, how do they best get in contact with you? Yeah, so feel free to follow us on Twitter. We are at, we are the FSA. Um, reach out to your local... So depending on which club you support, reach out to your local supporters group, talk to them. If there isn't a supporters group at your club, Come and have a chat with me and potentially we can help um, start one if, if you're interested in that line of work. But, yeah, definitely reach out to the local supporters groups as well. They're doing some amazing work, and particularly this year in terms of um, keeping together community and supporters communities. They have done some amazing work and it's it's down to them that this network is is where it is. Um, they're passionate and they what they care about supporter issues. So. It- but yeah, feel free to come and have a chat with me. I'm 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 always here and I'm always open to having conversations um about supporter issues and increasing support engagement. Well listen, it is also down to you as well, because I know the hard work that you do at the FSA uh, and have done to, to bring this all together and it's fantastic. It's being recognised. Uh, we'll speak to you more about that uh, shortly, Debs, no doubt. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Others. Deb Stillworth from the Football Supporters Association is who you were just hearing from then. And we're also with Molly Hudson from The Times. Coming up, we're going to talk through the weekend's WSL action. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others, Molly Hudson from The Times and Deb Stilworth, head of the Women's Game Development at the Football Supporters Association with you today. Don't forget, if if you miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app so you can download it and go to our podcast section. Uh, Now then, it's been a busy week for women's football. A quick recap of what happened uh, midweek. Frank Kirby is now Chelsea's 
all-time leading goal scorer after their 5-0 win in the Champions League over, over Benfica. It was a good victory for Manchester City as well. 2-1 winners away to Gothenburg. The return legs of both of those matches are on Wednesday uh, this week. In the Conti Cup, Leicester beat Birmingham to reach the quarter-finals. Well done to them. And Aston Villa beat Bristol City 4-0, just Villa's second win of the season. Uh, now then, there was plenty of WSL action over the weekend as well. Let's kick off, Molly Hudson, shall we? Um, with Reading 1, Manchester United 2. Uh, Hayley Ladd ensuring that United stay top of the table with that late goal. Yeah, it was a. It feels like as though it was a really important win for Manchester United, and it does feel. I was saying earlier, it feels a little bit like we keep expecting them to slip up because we know they maybe don't have that strength in depth that Manchester City, Arsenal, or Chelsea have. But Casey Stoney has just been such an incredible manager for them so far this season. All of the players seem to be thriving under her, and you know, again, that could have easily been a, a one-one draw, and maybe last season it. It would have been, but they they have this winning mentality now, and obviously Haley Ladd, who I think is a, a hugely underrated player actually in the women's Super League, got the crucial goal. I mean, Reading were lucky perhaps to have all eleven players on the on the pitch. Christine Liner um, escaping a second yellow card for a challenge on Leah Galton, um, who'd scored the opening goal. Um, five wins away from um, five for United now, though. But they have some injury problems, don't they? I'm just reading through the list here, and it's much more than I even realised. Uh, Lauren James, Kristen Press, Alessia Russo, Martha Harris, Jess Sigsworth, all out. Yeah, and it's, it's a bit like you said, it almost crept up on me at the weekend too when, when I saw the, the team line up. And that's what I think makes their victory and their victories generally even more impressive, I suppose, because... For, for quite a period of the season, Martha Harris has been out. Alessia Russo, we know, is is quite a serious hamstring injury, so has, has been out. Jess Sigworth's been, been in and out for quite quite some time. So it's not as though Casey's really had a big squad to choose from. I remember going up to Lee for the Arsenal game earlier on where they got that incredible win. And even then, we have describing them as injury hit. And it hasn't really got a huge huge deal better since then but they're still managing to pull it off and I think that's again down to Casey having such a a strong team spirit and belief and that whoever plays knows the the very minimum that is expected of them. Yeah they're three points uh, ahead of Chelsea but Chelsea obviously have that game in hand as well and uh, uh, but Manchester United um, Chelsea have a superior goal difference though um, and Chelsea were 1-0 winners over Brighton at the weekend Sam Kerr's header helping them get all three points Uh, so they're still in the hunt and and could take the lead if they won that game in hand as well now the chasing pack includes Arsenal in third on 19 points and Manchester City on 18 points and it was City who uh, got the better of the Gunners at the weekend. Before we actually talk about the game, I want to talk about Jem Beattie, of course, Scotland defender, uh, former Manchester City and now Arsenal defender, who was actually supposed to be on Women's Football Weekly uh, last week and, and had to pull out. And, and now we understand why. An incredibly brave to come out and, and tell people that she's been suffering uh, from breast cancer and you know has, has played played football in that time and will be undergoing radiotherapy in the new year. But, you know, a, a shocking announcement for everybody, for, for a 29-year-old. Definitely. And I think 
it was such a strange sort of experience being at the academy stadium yesterday. Obviously, f- fans weren't there, which is uh, disappointing anyway, knowing how big of a game it is. But even more disappointing when you think of how well-loved um, Jen is by both the Manchester City and Arsenal fans, obviously spent time at, at both of those clubs. And it was strange because it felt as though, uh, as impressive as Caroline Weir's late goal was, in a way, it wasn't the story. It it was knowing that just hours before we'd we'd read about Jen's diagnosis, and and knowing all of that, and then seeing her play ninety minutes, you know, you would never have known. And it, it's so incredible and incredibly brave, as you say, to come out to tell everyone. To obviously the the teams wore the warm up shirts, which is a, a lovely gesture from both clubs, and she she wore her, her with her name on the back. That they were fantastic, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, and she she wore a bright bright pink pair of boots. You could see from right <laughs> up in the stands at, at the academy stadium, and in a way, it was so brave because because you would never have known. She just got on, did her job at the very highest standard of women's football in this country, and and that's what makes it so impressive. So obviously, we can we can only wish her all of the best. Absolutely, and she will be going through radiotherapy, as I said, in January, and, and we wish all the best to, to, to Jen and I know she'll come on the show when, when she's ready to and uh, and she's fought this off for sure uh, the, the game as you said Caroline Weir with, with the late goal sealing all three points for, for Manchester City what I found really interesting at the end of the game though was Arsenal boss Joe Montemuro's comments he was understandably pretty frustrated with it but said at the end of the game that they're losing silly points and, and maybe that's to a lack of discipline or their attitude he wasn't sure but interestingly, he said they'll pay for it eventually. Yeah, I think it, actually it was a sort of strange moment because I've I've been at all of those those three games where they played Manchester United and obviously lost, played Chelsea and drew, and then yesterday lost. And and three of those four goals they've conceded in those games have been after the 80th minute, and that's what must be so frustrating f- for the players for Joe because you watch them and. In spells, yes, they have been outplayed, but you can't look at those three games and say they've been outplayed throughout. You know, they've they've got incredible players that that have the ability to to play really well. We saw at Chelsea, you know, arguably they were un, unlucky to lose uh, to draw to draw that game because and it it did feel like a loss at the end with that such a bizarre own goal. And it's those small margins now that they've just got one point out of those three games. And you look at the the title contenders and they've all, all, all of them have done better in those head-to-heads. And I think as though, even though we know the Women's Super League is more competitive, ultimately, if you want to win the title, you, you do have to do well in those head-to-heads. So as disappointing as it is for Arsenal, it was a, a huge victory for Manchester City because... Maybe some people had written them off after the difficult start of the season they had. And just looking at the table and seeing seeing that dotted line for the three Champions League places... It's going to be an incredible fight between those four teams to see see who qualifies. Absolutely, and, and Arsenal are in the worst form of those four teams as well when you look at it. Manchester United and Chelsea, their last uh, five games, they've won four, drawn one each. Um, Manchester City uh, won three and drawn two, but Arsenal lost two, won two, drawn one. So they're going to have to turn that form around um, for, for sure. Uh, elsewhere, though, a, a club who have managed to turn their form around is 
Tottenham. 3-1 winners over Aston Villa. Rianne Skinner says she thinks her team are heading in the right direction. Alex Morgan on the score sheet again, another penalty. Got an assist as, uh, as well, but I mean, Aston Villa all over the place defensively, weren't they, in the end? But, you know, they are heading in the right direction, Tottenham, aren't they? I think so. And it, it, as difficult it, as it was for that managerial change, it, it seems to have come at a good time. And maybe it's just that sort of fresh fresh bounce that you get with a new manager. It's, it certainly feels that way. And it's so important down there that, you know, you, you put those... Rayhan Skinner's got, got two wins and suddenly you're thinking, well, whatever was the worry? And that's, that's the impact she's had. And it's certainly heading in the right direction. They're heading up the table. Yes, very good stuff from, from Spurs. Not so great uh, for Villa. They're second from bottom uh, still, just on six points. That's four ahead of Bristol City, who were beaten 4-0 by West Ham at home. Uh, that's West Ham's just second win of the season, but it was a pretty impressive performance. It was uh, an own goal that set them off. Van Eggman then on the score sheet, Daly and Thomas as well, but the gap widens for Bristol City, still without a win. Uh, and they've played a game more than Aston Villa as well, who are as I just said, we're four points ahead of them. You talk about that new manager bounce. I mean, since Matt Beard left uh, West Ham, this 4-0 win uh, was probably the most impressive uh, of the season. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, West Ham have... It's a strange job because we were saying when when Matt Beard left, it feels like they always had it in them to to play really well, but it, it sometimes didn't quite work like that. So I think... This result, albeit against a, a struggling Bristol City that maybe you might suggest are relegation favourites now down there with Aston Villa, um, it did prove the, the potential that West Ham have. And also, I, as we understand it, I mean, there was a rumour running around earlier on today that perhaps uh, Wales head coach Jane Ludlow was set to be revealed as the new West Ham manager. That was then uh, retracted and the club are saying that there are interviews this week. What else do we know, Molly? Yes, that's that's uh, what I have heard too, that interviews are this week. Um, I think that there have been rumours linking Jane Ludlow with the job in recent weeks. Um, quite strong rumours, in fact, but it, it appears that something may have changed. Um, and now it, it looks like there's there's a number of number of candidates in the field, really. Interesting. We shall keep an eye on that one for sure. Uh, the other game of the weekend had to be postponed. It was Birmingham City against Everton uh, with a waterlogged pitch. And to be honest, how more games weren't postponed with waterlogged pitching, I, I, with waterlogged pitch, I'll never know because it's been torrential, hasn't it, uh, this weekend. Right, you are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Deb Stilworth is still with us, head of Women's Game Development at the Football Supporters Association as is Molly Hudson from The Times. If you miss any of the show, you can catch up by downloading the TalkSport app and subscribing to our podcast. Just search TalkSport Women's Football Weekly. And coming up on the only dedicated national radio show for women's football, we're talking sponsorship with Lewis FC General Manager Maggie Murphy. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. 
Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others, alongside Debs Dilworth, Head of Women's Game Development at the Football Supporters Association, and Molly Hudson from The Times. Now then, it's been a difficult year for women's football clubs as the global pandemic's taken its toll on finances and halted some of the huge progress that had been made across the game. But this week, there's been some positive news as Stevenage FC Women unveiled a new partnership with Burger King, which will see their kits blazoned with a new logo of Burger Queen. The burger chain said it will be supporting both Stevenage's men and women's teams with the same terms. And today we have even more exciting sponsorship news because Lewis FC, known for providing equal budgets for its men's and women's teams, has today announced a new six-figure sponsorship deal with Lyle and Scott. So to discuss this, Lewis FC General Manager Maggie Murphy's with us. How are you doing, Maggie? Yeah, really good faith. Thank you. Yeah, I, I bet you good. are. I bet it's been a busy few days. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been something that has been um, rumbling on now for a little while. I was only able to tell the players a couple of days ago, so they were really excited about it as well. Um, but yeah, we had to keep quiet for so long, and it's just really nice to be able to announce it and see the really positive reaction we're getting from all corners of women's football and, and community-oriented football as well, I guess. Absolutely, and well-deserved too. Um, interesting, I saw that it's actually the highest ever for a non-Premier League-affiliated women's club in terms of sponsorship. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's not that much data out there, but we know that um, some of the figures that are out there suggest that, you know, shirt front sponsorships are uh, in the kind of 20 or 30K. So, um, yeah, this is a big a big boost. And they're also kind of backing up the financial investment with uh, work uh, on a content partnership. So there'll be lots of new bits and pieces coming out early next year as well, which we're really excited about. Uh, but yeah, so Lila's got, they've just been really good at working with us as opposed to just kind of, 
I, I don't know, giving us some cash and telling us what they want. It's, yeah, it's quite exciting for us. It's more of a collaboration. That's really interesting because there's quite a few uh, more sponsorship uh, things nowadays that are more collaborative uh, and it seems to be quite a positive way forward. So this is going to run until summer 2021. Obviously, that there's been, you know, many big sponsorship deals announced over the past few years, but it does feel as if it's stepping up a little bit at the moment. So PepsiCo in August, of course, signed a multi-year partnership with UEFA Women's Football, so that's the Champions League and the Euros as well. Do, do you feel as if we're starting to see a bit of a shift? I do. Um, I, I think that this is, you know, well-deserved, not just for us, but for all women's teams, because I think there's so much hard work that's gone in for decades, um, you know, that it's it's only just that the people that are making decisions are kind of cottoning on to things. I think with, with our partnership, what's a little bit different or unique is that Lion Scott, we're not particularly interested, I guess, in some of the bigger brands. They're interested in uh, small clubs that are doing things differently and, and you know, trying to be, um, trying to do the right thing. So I think that that's that, that's what they were interested in, the community-oriented uh, thing. You know, the, the, they're fascinated by the fact that we have the drummers beaten away and, you know, the fact that our women's team is so well-supported as well. So it's um, I just feel like this sponsorship on a big scale, whether that's for comp- competitions or for the World Cup or whatever, that's still, I think, still a little bit slow, to be honest. Um, but I'm hoping that this kind of partnership shows other brands that, you know, women's football is here and it's exciting and it's uh, competitive and, you know, this this kind of investment can only be a good thing. I was waiting for Molly Hudson to jump in then. <laughs> I know she had a question. I, there's just like a big pregnant pause. Go for it, Mol. Um. Uh, I guess, Maggie, how important is it for for part-time players in particular to to receive this recognition, to see brands getting behind clubs like yourselves? Because that's something that certainly I've I've spoken to to championship players and I'm just more and more amazed at how much they juggle and, and how incredible the hard work is going on behind the scenes. So it's really great to see that actually supported. Yeah, I think it's... Um... I think the championship is one of the toughest divisions in, in the country, to be honest, because all these players, well, the majority of players are juggling uh, full-time work or part-time work or full-time studying as well as playing. And I think that everyone's wanting that little bit more extra space to be able to play full-time in, instead of, you know, part-time. Um, and it's, for us, it's definitely an indication of where we're trying to go. We're really wanting to go uh, full-time and, and give our players a little bit more support and a little bit more um, ability for them to focus on football and not be playing playing football and then running off to do their part-time job and, and then become a, a professional athlete again. I think COVID, this whole pandemic has really shown just how difficult it is for some of our players because we're operating to elite protocols. A lot of people don't, don't quite realise just how strict they are um, and, and how much sacrifice goes into that. So to, to be operating at that high elite level under these really strict protocols and then also running off to do a job where the protocols might be less strict, I think there's a huge toll that's been on our players. And, you know, our players have been brilliant. I just think that it's, it's so exciting that hopefully we can start transitioning um, to, to, towards being a bit more full-time and, and getting more support in for them as well. Deb Stillworth from the uh, Football Supporters Association is with us tonight as well, uh, Maggie. I think she's got a question for you too. Hi, Maggie. Yeah, I just was interested, you know, you'd said about the the um, the brand wanting to sort of invest in community kind of focused orientated work. I wonder actually, do you think that that will then potentially spike other clubs to kind of kind of prioritise that um, in hope to, to pull to pull more interest and more brands on board? 
I definitely think they should be. Uh, the, you know, for Lyle and Scott, I don't think they would necessarily have come to invest in us if, if we had, if we didn't have as rowdy and boisterous a crowd as we do. Because, uh, you know, those those people are engaged with the club. They, there's visibility. There's, um, you know, that I've had loads and loads of messages all day from fans, let alone other kind of footballers, saying this is brilliant. We're so proud. Um, lots of people telling me that they've gone on the Lyle and Scott website to start shopping, which I think. For me, this shows just how loyal women's football fans and supporters are. I'm talking people that don't actually necessarily support Lewis, but are now taking an interest in this brand that is actually invested. I think that some companies are not quite um, understanding the value that, that entering into women's sport brings because we're all loyal. We love backing each other. I mean, I don't think this would necessarily happen in, in men's football or men's sport. You know, a big club or a small club, you know, announces a new sponsor and then lots of other clubs, fans, say, hey, this is a great thing. Um, but yeah, there's coming, coming back to the fan thing. If for for Lion Scott, it was really crucial that we had the fan base that we had. And, you know, they're so important to us as a club. We couldn't operate without them. Um, and in fact, you know, even just now, I'm on the radio talking to you guys, but I'm only a tiny part of this story it's you know the the work that the club has done over decades really uh, to get us to this position that's largely down to the fans that have built it from the ground up so um yeah i'm just uh, able to bring the good news but really it's all credit to them it's really interesting you talked about the value there maggie because that was going to be my my next question actually asking exactly what value women's football brings to brands and if you're saying loyalty is the main thing that's that's really fascinating it's not something i'd i'd actually thought about too much but also i, I would expect a lot of brands are very conscious about gender parity particularly at the moment. And that is quite an enticing prospect. You look at what um, Burger King have done with, with, with Stevenage, for example, and that's going to start to change things, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think people are starting to get that when, when we're talking about parity and when we're talking about equality, when we're just talking about women's rights, for example, we're, not, we're a little bit tired of words and, and, and what we really need now is action. And unfortunately, you know, you've got to put your money where your mouth is. You can't just say that you believe in something or that you um, would like women's sport to uh, progress and grow. You actually have to put your money where you think it should go. And I, I think that that's, that's one of the crucial elements in this story. You know, Lyle and Scott have said that they see what we're doing, that they back it, that they want to be a part of this and, and you know, hopefully take us to the next level. Um, and, you know, we also have to do our part in this as well and try and make sure that our results continue and that our connection with our community and with our fans um, is, is only kind of strengthened through this partnership as well. And that's a good point because we've talked about this for a long time. You've been on this show chatting about this. I've had, had a number of people as well Brands do have to put their money where their mouth is and, and it has been a lot of chat over the years and, and actually no, no action. But actually, uh, leading sports business group Deloitte have predicted that revenue in elite women's sport could reach almost a billion dollars in 2021. They're predicting record audiences, significant increases in brand sponsorship agreements and TV rights deals as well, uh, which will lead to an increased demand for women's sport. So are you expecting this to happen? You know, I know this kind of research ten, ten, tends to happen and it drives uh, sponsors, but, but certainly it seems as if uh, more work is going on behind the scenes and, and women's football is becoming a, an attractive proposition. Definitely. I mean, I think a lot of this is, like I said, a, a little bit slow in the coming. Um, I think that the World Cup last year was, was really positive and really strong because 
it was on free-to-view television, which meant there was a legitimacy that was created. You know, you could go home and accidentally find yourself watching women's football. And through that accidental watching, you suddenly realise that you were becoming engaged because football ultimately is about stories. Um, if you can't see or read the story, then, then you're not going to be interested. So that visibility is, is really key. So I hope that those kind of broadcast deals and the visibility side of things will, will continue. But it's, you know, I think that, we often hold women's football up to a higher standard, I think, than, than other sports. We, we expect it to be successful before we invest. Mm. Um, you know, you often hear people say, well, you know, when women's football has the audiences and when women's football um, has, um, you know, those TV deals, then we'll provide better pay or then we'll equalise the FA Cup prize money or whatever it might be. Um, but I, for me, that's just a bit backwards. You, you need to invest in a product for it to to get there. You can't say that something has to be successful before you give it the money to succeed. Which is exactly what Barclays have done, haven't they? You know, supporting the the, the FAWSL is is exactly what Barclays did to try and improve things. And and Molly made a really good point to me before we came on air, actually, that brands like Vitality, for example, with the FA Mm. Cup, they actually believe they can make a real difference in women's football, whereas, you know, that same amount of money, perhaps in, in men's football, would just be a bit of a drop in the ocean. Yeah, I think that lots of investment right now can be game-changing in women's sport. I think, you know, now is the time to invest. I think it's 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 really game-changing. And do you know that thing that I was mentioning about loyalty? That mm. might disappear in the future. Um, but if you remember back in the summer when the NWSL in America was, um, was completing, and you had um, Budweiser as one of the big sponsors there. Uh, do you remember there was that incredible scene where fans were buying crates of Budweiser to gift to, to, to the team that had won as, as a kind of, hey, you know, and that was because Budweiser had sponsored it. So it, it, I think that that's just, it's such a crazy example of the loyalty that fans um, have when they see someone investing. And I think that, you know, I'm pretty sure that Lyle and Scott will get their return from doing this partnership with us. Um, but I think that other brands out there should be seeing that, noticing that and, and investing in the other clubs that are still, you know, we're all still desperate for money, but there's so much we can do. Um, and yeah, like you say, a small amount of investment can go a long way still. Amazing stuff. Well done as well, Maggie. Um, I, I know it's the whole club, but you know, you're always coming and representing and always showcasing the amount of fantastic things you're doing at Lewis FC. And we always love talking to you. Have a good week. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Maggie Murphy there, General Manager of Lewis FC. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Rothers, alongside Deb Stilworth from the Football Supporters Association and Molly Hudson from The Times. If you miss any of the show, you can find our podcast by downloading the TalkSport app and searching for Women's Football Weekly. Uh, next, we're going to be shining our spotlight on Manchester United's Ella Toon. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others, and keeping you company with me is Deb Stilworth, Head of Women's Game Development at the Football Supporters Association, and Molly Hudson from The Times. Now then, just want to make you aware of an update that came to us just before we came on air here on Women's Football Weekly, following the latest Barclays FAWSL and Women's Championship board meeting. Um, so, they have confirmed that both leagues are going to be supporting the trials of an additional permanent substitution for concussions if approved at the forthcoming IFAB annual business meeting which is on the 16th of December that's Wednesday Uh, they say player welfare is of paramount importance and we would work closely with the clubs and their medical teams to introduce the trials at the earliest and most appropriate opportunity your thoughts on that Molly Hudson 
it's brilliant news and it's so important because as you say it comes down to player welfare and that doesn't matter whether it's men's football or women's football ultimately that's the most important thing and there's been a lot of managers vocal about how important it is in the women's game and particularly Casey Stoney speaking to her last week and said how important it was that if the women's game can be used for trials of things like VAR at the World Cup why can't it be used for concussion subs so thankfully someone has clearly listened yeah, and it's really important. You know, we, we highlighted it here on Women's Football Weekly a couple of weeks ago it, across the TalkSport network. It's something that, that people have been campaigning for, so that's fantastic news. Uh, right now then, this is our spotlight time because every week this season we pick a person, a club, an organisation or an event from the world of women's football to shine our spotlight on. And this week we're hearing from England and Manchester United's Ella Toon. Casey's given me an opportunity to start in big games. Um, I've started more games than I did the whole of last season which is very good for me and that was one of my targets to make sure that I was starting more games and then obviously I've got a couple goals and and assists um, which has been good Um, but I just think there's a lot more to improve on and a lot more hard work. Um, I was reading something from Casey Stoney recently and she she really went out of her way to, to praise your work ethic in training and staying after training to do extra work what would you what would you kind of put the huge change in in your development down to in, in terms of your form as well i think lockdown really helped to be honest i think i really took the time to work on a lot of things that i needed to work on and i think i've come back a lot stronger and physically in a better shape than i was last season to compete with top teams and top players and i think yeah, obviously in training, I try and stay out on the grass as long as I can until someone tells me to get off, which is annoying. But I just want to keep improving. And if that's doing extra bits after training, then I'll I'll try and do that just so that I keep playing and I keep improving and I keep uh, making an impact on the pitch for the team. And obviously United have a fantastic start to the season. I think recently the result that really made people stand up and take notice was the victory over Arsenal that, a certain someone scored scored the winner in. So, you know, you must have watched that goal back so many times recently. Yeah, I did watch it quite a lot, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a special moment for me in my career, scoring against a top team like Arsenal. I think a lot of people underestimated us quite a bit as a club. And I think looking back last season, we, we dropped points to top teams just by like a narrow defeat and I think it's been massive this season to take points off big teams and obviously then to to score the winner against Arsenal it was it was special for me so hopefully we can keep improving as a team and keep getting points on the table. Great to hear from Manchester United forward Ella Toon talking to Talk Sports Bradley Hayden. She's a real talent isn't she Molly? She is and I think she almost epitomises the the progress and how impressive Manchester United have been this season because she is one of those players that maybe might have been ruled out or overlooked and particularly when some of even Manchester United signings came in you you might have looked on paper and thought where does Ella Toon fit well she has proven and as, as you heard there her hard work and desire determination have, have made her you know almost undroppable yeah, undroppable indeed. And top of the 
FAWSL table as well is pretty impressive going. Uh, now then, I just want to point you all towards um, a, a new show that we have. And on Sunday evening from 9.30, it's the fifth episode of Talk Sports After the Lights Go Out series with a very familiar face to you uh, and voice as well uh, because it's presented by Steve Harmison and Leon McKenzie and the programme focuses on the struggles of professional athletes following their retirement from sport. This weekend's instalment features a member of England's bronze medal winning team at the 2015 FIFA Women's World Cup and of course friend of Women's Football Weekly Claire Rafferty and over the course of an hour she discusses feeling a loss of identity following her retirement from the game the mental impact from suffering three serious knee injuries and struggling with homesickness as well here Claire explains how she coped with being away from home the thought even now of going to a hotel makes me feel a certain way it's so weird like going to away games I used to hate it feeling very very low by yourself when you actually are not allowed to feel like that because it is a looks like weakness and you can't say it to anyone else because everyone else looks fine but they're probably thinking the same thing it is the loneliness and you know what I, I found I got to a stage where I was able to just switch off and become very numb to emotions because that's the only way I could deal with it. Like being able to teach or tell yourself that you don't miss someone or you don't miss your family, you don't miss being home, like that coldness, the lack of emotions that I was able to show was just strange. Former Chelsea uh, winger and defender Claire Rafferty there, of course, former England uh, player as well. Uh, talking on Talk Sports after the Lights Go Out series, the fifth episode is going to air on Sunday evening from 9.30, so don't miss that. Uh, right, we've run out of time again, as we always do on Women's Football Weekly. Um, it's always jam-packed. Uh, Deb Stillworth from the Football Supporters Association. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I hope you've enjoyed your debut. I certainly have. Thank you so much for having me. Just give everybody another quick reminder about how they can get in touch with the FSA for any help that they'd need. Yeah, so come to our website or uh, connect with us on Twitter. We are the FSA. Um, and yeah, um, try to help as much as possible, support supporters getting a voice no- nationally and locally. Wonderful stuff. Thank you, Debs. And thank you, Molly Hudson, as ever. Thank you. Pleasure. Well, pleasure to have you with us. Thanks to Deb Stillworth, Molly Hudson, Maggie Murphy and Ella Toon and of course to all of you as ever for listening. Uh, Next week we're going to be wrapping up the final FAWSL weekend of the season as 2020 finally draws to a close and as ever if you miss any of the show or perhaps want to listen back to any of our lockdown specials you can also download the Women's Football Weekly podcast that is via the TalkSport app. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.